0: Good morning, Renewal. You guys can have a seat. Right. How you guys doing today? You guys good? Good? All right. All right. My name is Dan Hanses. I serve as the Director of Operations here at Renewal. So most of the time you guys will see me in the back kind of running around trying to get some stuff done. But every now and then I get the opportunity to preach and it's always something that I love to have the opportunity to do. I want to take a quick second and just thank Pastor Derek for giving me this opportunity. Some of you guys, you may just be getting to know Derek a little bit, but he is an amazing coach. He's an amazingly encouraging guy, and I really do appreciate the time he's spent with me in in many different ways to help grow me, and one of those is, is my preaching ability. So I just want to give him a quick thanks for that. The passage we're going to be walking through today is from the book of Matthew. It's Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Now, this passage, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's something that I've called a life verse for myself. It's something that I've decided this verse is going to impact my life. I want to think about it day in and day out. I want it to change how I go about doing things. So that's what we're going to be going through today. That's Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. So when you find it, if you would please stand to your feet if you are able, and we will read together the word of God. So, When you guys got it, just stand to your feet and we'll read Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Good. Some, of the, some of the people on the apps are a little slow. They're, they're looking things up now. So, All right. Let's read this together. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. The very words of God, amen. Today we're going to be looking at the response that we have to thankfulness. So I want to speak on the topic of responding to thankfulness, responding to thankfulness. You guys pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. God, I ask you to be in this place. Help soften our hearts as we go about today. God, help us take off some of the stress, some of the drama that we may be walking into, and just open our hearts for your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. You guys can be seated. Today we're going to be looking at the response that we had in light of our thankfulness. When we are thankful, how do we respond? So I want to walk through three points with you guys today. Three points on the response to being thankful. First, responding by engaging non-Christians, responding by crossing lines, and responding with the authority of Jesus. So this is where we're going to be going today. But before we get to those points, I want to put some context around this passage, This speech that Jesus gives, this commission that he gives to the disciples, this happens shortly after his resurrection. So Jesus has died and three days later he rose from the dead. I think very often when we hear stories from the Bible, we kind of forget that we know what's going to happen. If you know nothing else about Christianity, you probably know that Jesus died and three days later he rose from the dead. But the disciples, the 11, the people that Jesus is talking to in this passage, that's not something they knew right? This was happening in their life. What was happening was unfolding throughout history naturally for them. They didn't see this coming. Now these men, these 11 people that Jesus is talking, these are people that Jesus chose out in particular. They have followed around Jesus for the last few years. And not only that, they were discipled by Jesus. They're called the disciples because Jesus discipled them. And what a unique bond that must have given them to Jesus. When someone spends time with you, when someone mentors you like that, it creates a unique relationship between you and them. Now, I've had the opportunity to have a lot of people mentor me throughout my life. You know, Bosses, my parents, you know, different teachers have done things for me that have really gone out of their way. They've poured into me, invested in me in different ways. And I think sometimes we don't realize it until much after the situation, but eventually we realize how much time they've spent with us. You know, how much energy they put, in, put into us. Now, I can be a little bit of a bonehead sometimes, and so I realize what frustration I would have, must have caused them, but they were still able to go back and still able to invest in me. And we respond with thankfulness because we know they didn't have to do that. They could have chosen someone else to spend their time on. They could have chosen to do something else entirely, but they chose to invest in us. And so when we have mentors like this, it's just natural to respond with thankfulness. And I think it's very likely this is how the disciples felt towards Jesus. Jesus has spent time, he's invested in them, he's been training them up over the last few years. They must have been growing very close. How thankful they must have been to have a trainer and a teacher and a discipler like this man, Jesus. But just when they seem to be getting almost to their closest, something that the disciples don't expect, something happens there. They see their leader, their mentor, they see Jesus arrested. They see him put on trial. They see him beaten to within an inch of his life. And then they see their leader hung on the cross. And they watch for hours as their mentor, their leader, their friend. They watch him die. They take him off the cross and they put him in a tomb. Man, what a hard place that must have been for them. What a bit of sorrow. How sad they must have been to have someone they had that connection with, to see him die that way. But then on the third day, they go back to the tomb. They see that it's empty. They're able to later encounter the resurrected Jesus. right? They're able to talk to him. They're able to touch him. They're able to put their fingers through the holes in his hands. They're able to see that the man that they'd been following around, the man they'd been working with for the past years, he was much more than a man. He was truly the son of God. That must have just been incredibly mind-blowing. To realize what Jesus had done in that moment, to be in that space where the disciples were, how crazy must that have been. If they weren't thankful before, They must have been thankful by now. Now what I think is interesting here is that the things that the disciples are thankful for, those are the same things I'm personally thankful for. I'm thankful for the work that Jesus has done in my life. I'm thankful for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. The same place the disciples are in, we're in a similar place as Christians. As Christians, we're both thankful for the same things. So when we're in this situation, I think the natural question comes up, how do we respond to this thankfulness? How do we respond to the fact that we're so thankful for the things that Jesus has done for us? And it's that question, how to respond, this is what Jesus is going to answer in this passage. Jesus tells them in verse 19, he says, go, make disciples of all nations. This is often referred to as the great commission. It's a commission because Jesus is basically saying, this is your new job. This is what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life. This is how you respond to the things that I have done for you. See, I've discipled you. I've spent time doing that. Now go and disciple other people. The Great Commission is not only given to the eleven, but it's given to everyone who follows Jesus. Our response to being thankful is the same thing that the disciples were called to respond with as well. The response we have to the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross is this Great Commission. Going out, making disciples. This is how we are told we should respond. We're going to work through practically what this means to live out in our lives. So the first way I'm going to talk about being, responding to the thankfulness that we have in Jesus is to be engaging non-Christians. We are called to engage with people outside of these walls. We have to tell people about Jesus. See, this is the way the church grows. What started with the 11, those 11 started telling people and they started telling people and now we have the church the way it is today and it's still the way we operate as a church. The church basically grows by word of mouth. That's the natural way this thing happens. And so when I look at my life, I'm thankful, right? I'm thankful for things Jesus has done for me and then I think about some of my non-Christian friends and I realize some of the struggles they're going through and I know the way that Jesus can change their life as well. So, I'm thankful for the things Jesus does for me, and I want them to have that same experience. I'm thankful I respond by telling them about Jesus because I'm so thankful of the way He's done things in my life. We engage non Christians, those who don't know Jesus, because we are thankful for what Jesus has done in our lives personally. Now, the people we engage, who you have the opportunity to engage, the way we go about that, that's going to be different for everyone. You see, God has put you where you're at for a reason. He's given you a certain set of interests. He's put you in a certain career. He's put you in a certain school. Because there are certain people he wants you to be able to reach. We're really different people. When we look around this room, we've all done a lot of different things. We're in a lot of different areas. And that's a way that we can reach a very good, diverse group of different people. You see, the man who has five children is able to make connections with a lot different people than a single woman living in the city of Chicago. They're just very different. They have the ability to engage in different ways. If you're a parent, God has called you to disciple your children. And that's an amazingly high calling. It's a very important thing because we know how important the next generation is. Now, as a church, we wanna come around you, we wanna help you, but no one is going to be as valuable to your children and where they end up in their faith as you are as parents. It's an amazingly high call. But at the same time, you have other opportunities, other people you have the opportunity to engage. So if you're able to go to a park, you go to a park, watch your kids play on the playground, there's a good chance there's going to be other people doing the same thing. There's going to be other mothers, other fathers who are sitting around watching their children play. You have a natural connection with them that I just don't. You know, I can't engage with parents in the same way. We just don't have the same things to talk about. We have very little in common. See, I'm a single guy. I don't have children. But I do have the different opportunities, different way to connect with different people. Now, for me, every Monday night I do a game night. And the people I go and play games with, none of them know who Jesus are. So we get together every Monday night and we play nerdy board games, like incredibly nerdy board games. So if you've heard of Settlers of Catan, that's like the lowest level nerdy we get. That's like where we start the beginners before we start playing the real game. So once you learn this, we'll we'll get to the real games that we really want to play, the much more intense one. You know, quick side note, like real talk, I'm thinking of starting a nerdy board game ministry here at Renewal, so if you're interested in that, you know, come talk to me. I would love to get that started. Like, Robinson, he can go play basketball upstairs. We'll take over the library. We'll do something like that, all right? We'll figure this out. This is going to happen. January, I'm marking my calendar. You see it's being committed right now. So the group of guys I play games with, I'm really intentional about how I spend my time with them. You know, I'm very unlikely to try to cancel that. So if I have a busy week where I know I have stuff going every day of the week, and I'm like, I need to cancel something, I'm much more likely to cancel dinner with somebody in this room than I am to cancel game night. Because I know I need to have the opportunity to engage with those people. I want to have the ability to share my faith with them. I'm intentional with how I spend my time with them. It has to start with authentic friendships. But the main reason I hang out with these guys is I really like them. They're friends of mine, I really enjoy hanging out with them. Some of these guys I've known for nearly 10 years. I love being with them, I love these guys. So we're intentional with how we spend our time, but it starts with an authentic friendship. Our intentionality is rooted in authenticity. The intentional friendships that we have, it's rooted in real authentic friendships. It has to start there. No one, and I mean no one, wants to be your Christian project. If the only reason you're engaging someone is so you can manipulate them into Christianity, that's just wrong. It's not going to work. Once people realize what's going on, they're just going to be hurt by it. And that's just not the way Jesus did things. Jesus engaged a lot of people, but he always did so authentically. We need to engage people authentically so we have the ability to share our lives with them so that we have those authentic friendships so we can truly speak into their lives. So we need to live in a way where you interact with people outside of your church community. So we have the ability to have these kinds of authentic friendships. Now, don't get me wrong, church community is incredibly important. You know, we need to be in groups. We need to have this kind of fellowship. We need to have that kind of support system. But it's also important that we go outside of these walls, that we're able to engage with people outside of this. Now, some of you guys sitting out there may be realizing you're now on the other end of this. Now, maybe you're here today just because one of your Christian friends invited you to church. And maybe the only reason you came is because he promised you'd go to brunch afterwards, and that's kind of how he coaxed you into coming here today. Now, if you're here and you're not a Christian, maybe you came with a friend, or maybe you just decided to check out church for the first time today. I want to let you know that you are welcome here. Right, the church is more for more than just Christians. It's for anybody who wants to come and learn more about who Jesus is. And on a personal note, I love talking with people who have different worldviews than I do. Let's grab coffee. Come find me afterwards. I'd love to get together with you. Talk through what you're thinking and where you're at. That's something I personally enjoy doing. Now, the Great Commission is something I always have to think about before I come around the holiday season. Because for me, and I think for some of you guys as well, Thanksgiving is part of my mission field. You see, this Thursday, when I'm with my family, I'm going to be around people who don't know Jesus. I'm going to be around non-Christians. So every time before I go back to Michigan, I need to think and pray about what it looks like for me to engage my family members. What is that going to be like to share my faith with them? How do I engage with that group of people? But you see, this Thanksgiving, that's not all I'm going to have a chance to do. I'm also going to have the ability to do some crossing lines as well. So I'll not just be engaging non-Christians. I have to try and cross some lines. So I want to move to my second point, responding to thankfulness by crossing lines. So here at Renewal, we just ended a sermon series. We're in a middle week here. Next week, we'll start Advent. Last week, ended our crossing lines series and crossing lines was really about how we engage with different people in different ways. If you missed any of those, we do have a podcast. I highly encourage you to go back. I think I'm probably going to re-listen to a few of them on my commute back home this week cuz I think some of those are definitely worth a second listen. So I love Thanksgiving. There is so much about Thanksgiving that I love. I love the food. Like dinner is just like meat and carbs, which is what I think every meal should really be. You know, I love being able to go back, hang out with my family. I have some nieces and nephews I like playing around with. I like to have the start of Christmas music. You know, the start of Christmas music, guys. If you've been listening to Jingle Bells for the past week, you're just, just don't do that. Don't do that to everyone else. The thing I love most about Thanksgiving is that it's a football holiday. There are three NFL games on, on Thanksgiving, and my team, the Detroit Lions, they play every Thanksgiving, and I absolutely, yes, finally, we have another Lions fan here. I love it. The Detroit Lions play every week. If you're a Cowboys fan, you get, you get that too, because the Cowboys play every time as well. You see, part of our Thanksgiving plans revolve around this game. It's a tradition, you just watch football and you eat food. We plan when we start our dinner based on when kickoff is. So the Lions play early, so I know we're not eating till like 4 or 5 at the very earliest because we have to be able to watch that entire game. You see, I don't always get to watch the Lions as much as I used to. Since I'm living in Chicago, you know, we don't always, they're not always on the air. It's usually when they play the Bears and, you know, they're playing the Bears today, so it should be an easy win for the Lions, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. but you see this year this year things might be a little bit different for me this year things may get a little awkward in my house you see there are people in my family who have a much different view on the take a knee controversy than i do people who love jesus for those of you who don't know there are players in the nfl who've decided to take a knee during the national anthem And they do that to protest the violence against African-American men at the hands of police officers. But on the other side, there are people who see this as incredibly disrespectful. Incredibly disrespectful to the flag, incredibly disrespectful to the troops who've died for their freedom. It's an incredibly polarizing issue. It's a really difficult thing that we have to engage on. And I need to think about how I crossed that line to be able to go back and talk into this. You see, renewal has given me a new perspective on a lot of things. I've had the opportunity to sit with meals with people who don't look like me. People who've had much different life experiences than I did. People who have had much different lives than I have. And through that, I've grown and I've changed my views on a lot of different things. And I'm incredibly thankful for that. You know, People being able to open up and share their lives with me, it's something I'm amazingly thankful for because I see the growth that that has happened with me. So now I have a new perspective on the world. The church has changed the way I think about so much. My challenge now is how do I cross back over the line? So I cross one line to be able to engage with these people. How do I go back? How do I go back to my family and start to inform them about some of the things I've learned? Because most people I know, they don't have a place like Renewal. What we're doing here in this church, this is amazingly unique. Most people don't have the opportunity to come in contact with people who are so diverse, so different than they do. So they don't have the ability to grow the way I have. So how do I go back? How do I go back to them and be able to encounter and engage with them on these things? That's something that I need to figure out. Now, my natural reaction when any of these kind of things come up, when these really difficult conversations come up, I have two natural reactions and neither one of them are good. The first, I just avoid it. I do whatever I can so these things don't come up. You know, where I walk into a room and I see two people talking and I know what they're talking about and I know their viewpoint, so I just turn right around. Right? I go to the kitchen, I help out, I go play with my nieces. Because let's be honest, I just don't want to deal with it. You know what I mean? My life in Chicago, it's busy. We live busy lives, the busy city. So when I have Thanksgiving breaks, when, I be, when I'm able to leave Chicago, I just want to chill out. I want my stress to go away. This isn't a time where I want to have those kind of conversations. Because they're tough. So I avoid them. Or, if I don't avoid, avoid them, I'll engage them, but I'll do so incredibly aggressively. I'll get very angry very quickly. You see, the hard part about having these kind of conversations with people we know really well, people like our family and close friends, is we know who they are. You know, I can tell you right now, if I say this, this is what that person will say. This is how they'll respond. We know all the buttons we can press with each other. You know, we know the little jabs we can get in that's just going to annoy them, that's going to make them feel like we're more right. But the thing is, they know the same thing about us. So once we start talking, we start pushing those buttons, we start throwing those jabs, and things just escalate incredibly quickly. You end up getting into an argument, you end up getting into a shouting match with those people. And I'm here to tell you, that's about as helpful as in getting into a comment war on Facebook. You know, where someone puts a political post and there's like 78 comments in the first hour because it's the same two people writing like paragraph long arguments, and they're just saying the same thing over and over again. And all they're trying to do is prove that they're right. They're trying to convince the other person that they're wrong. Because even if, you're doing, even if what you're saying is true, even if what you're saying is biblical, if the mentality you have going in is to prove the other person wrong, it's going to end badly for you. So these are my two ba- basic defaults. I either avoid the situation entirely or I end up starting this big fight. I think the danger that we fall into is we start deciding what we want to have happen and not leaning on God. We walk into those traps because we decide how things should be. We have a plan for what we want our Thanksgiving break to look like. You know, we avoid because I just want to relax. That's what I want out of my Thanksgiving. I want time to just be able to chill out, be with family. I don't want that kind of stress. Or I go back thinking, you know what, I want to change their mind. I want them to start thinking like I think. I want that to happen. And so we engage them and we're very aggressive and angry with it. See, the root of both of those issues are our personal desires. What we want how we want our holidays to be like. So what I do when these things start to happen is I need to realize that my time may not be God's time. Right? The timing that I want things to happen in, that might be different than the timing that God wants things to happen in. See, God may want you to be patient. He may want you to engage someone, but actually hear what they're saying. Learn where they're coming from. See where their heart truly is. Or maybe that's what you've been doing. Maybe now God wants you to rock the boat a little bit. Maybe God wants you to push against someone, you know, challenge them on some of their beliefs. Maybe that's where God wants. So when I come to these things, I I pray for two things, right? Before I go back to see my family, before these situations come up, I pray for two different things. I pray for boldness and I pray for patience. I pray for boldness and I pray for patience. I basically say, God, I want to have this conversation, Or I think this may come up, I don't know what I should do. So God, give me space. Have someone ask me a question that I know I need to react to. Give me that awkward silence that I know how to fill. God, give me that. And when that happens, give me the boldness to actually take that step. Because honestly, when that happens, I get really nervous. right? I know if I'm quiet for five seconds, the moment will pass, and I don't have to deal with it. So God, give me the boldness that I'll actually be able to go out there and take that step. But God, if that moment isn't created, if that doesn't happen, God, give me the patience to wait for you. Because my natural reaction is to make it happen. You know, God, I'm going to make this happen whether you like it or not. But at the end of the day, if Jesus isn't there with us, it's not going to end well. God's time may not be our time. So when we go to cross these lines, we need to operate in that place with both patience and boldness in true reliance on God. We need to rely on God during these situations. Now, I think all that can sound easy, right? All of this crossing the line, that family drama, engaging non-Christians. When I'm up here just saying it, it sounds really easy. But we know that's not the case. We know that this can be really tough. We know that these can be difficult things. So I want to end today talking about my final point. We respond to thankfulness with the authority of Jesus. We respond with the authority of Jesus. In the passage that we're looking through, Jesus gives us a commission, this great commission, to go and make disciples. This is not going to be based on us. It's not based on our strength. It's not based on our abilities. Jesus commands us to act on his authority. Let's look at how Jesus starts and ends this message. It starts in verse 18. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then it ends in verse Verse 20, And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. You see, Jesus came to earth. God made flesh. He lived in this world as a man. He came down into the messiness. He had these hard conversations. He engaged with people who didn't know who he was. He talked to people who didn't look like him, who didn't act like him, who grew up very differently than he did. He talked to the incredibly religious people who had some false views. He knows what it's like to be tempted to avoid them. He knows the struggle because he lived it as a man. He knows what our situations are like because he lived them himself. And after all that, after having all of that experience, he chose to go to the cross Jesus chose to have the sins of the world placed on his shoulders as he was nailed to the cross. And when he was laid into the grave, he took the sins with him. And when he conquered death, he conquered sin as well. See, this same Jesus, the one who overcomes sin and death, he is the one who is in authority on earth and in heaven. He is the one who is with us. See, when you walk up to that friend and you have that spiritual conversation, you do so with the authority of Jesus. You know, when you go up to a friend and you have to cross lines, when you have those hard conversations, you do that with Jesus by your side. You see, the same man who conquered death, the man who has authority over all the earth, this man is with us always. See, if Christ has the power to overcome death, if he has the power to overcome sin, then surely he could work out this great commission with him. This great commission that he's given us seems a lot less difficult when we realize we have Jesus with us. I think if there's nothing else, that's enough for us to be thankful for this season. Will you guys pray with me?